Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You're listening to 100 Words or Less with Ray Harkins. Oh, me, oh, my. Welcome to this podcast in which we talk to people who are creating independent music or documenting it, or care about it in a deep way, or have been profoundly influenced by this whole punk, hardcore, indie rock, metal community that we love so much. I am hanging out here because uh, I'm very excited to bring you today's guest. And this is a friend that is, I always like to say old friends, but then that sometimes means that like they're old. I guess technically he is old because I'm old. So anyways... Tepe Teranishi from Thrice. He plays guitar in the long-running rock, hardcore-ish hybrid. I don't know what you would even define Thrice at this point. I guess independent rock band. How about that? But um, I have now almost collected every single member of Thrice, which will be fun when I'm able to uh, track down Dustin. Honestly, there's nothing preventing me (laughs) from texting Dustin to be like, yo, come on the show, because he for sure will. But, uh, you know, I like to roll this out over a many-year process, because you can actually go back to the very, very first episode of this podcast, which I might not encourage you to do, because, you know, maybe not the best of listens, but uh, I had Riley from the band, and uh, that was a fun chat some 10-odd years ago, because we're like, you know, episode 540-something-ish. But anyways, Tepe is a great chat. And this is, it's very funny because Thrice prides themselves on being incredibly boring humans. And I say that with a lot of love in my heart, but they, uh, you know, they're not like, they're not filled with drama, like them as individual people. They are very, uh, even keeled, very gentle, nice humans. And so when I texted Tepe to come on, he was like, dude, I'm going to be boring. <laughs> I'm like, I, pro- I promise you won't. It'll be a nice chat. And uh, that's exactly what transpired. So yeah, that's what we got coming up. But I want to tell you a few things. First of all, 
I am going to be in Japan with my band Taken from March 1st to the 5th. So if you are in Japan and you listen to the podcast, first of all, thank you very much. And uh, come say hi. Come to the shows. Uh, I think only one is sold out as of right now, but it's us and Hope's Fall. We are, uh, I'm incredibly excited to play shows because I have not played a show since 2019. And that is uh, weird because I've played shows for most of my life. But anyways, going over to Japan, huge, huge shout out to Koba, who is the promoter extraordinaire over there. He plays in a band called Loyal to the Grave. Just one of the kindest humans I've ever met in my life. And uh, yeah, he's bringing us over there and we're playing with Hope's Fall. And it's going to be really exciting. Melodic hardcore at its finest. So that's what we got. You can always email the show 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. I love to receive feedback or just general niceties. Or maybe if you're, you're mean, you want to be mean to me, you can totally do that. I don't necessarily respond well to that, but um, you get the point. You can also leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. I highly encourage you to do that. It lets the algorithms know that people are engaging with this content, and that obviously is an important thing for this podcast to get discovered. You can also do the same thing on Spotify, where you just leave a little star rating on your mobile application of Spotify, and it helps out tremendously. And shortly after I return from Japan, I am very excited to do my first ever live podcast here in the States at the LDB Fest in Louisville, Kentucky. You can you will be able to find a link to buy tickets because there's a few tickets left. It actually is it was sold out up until like a week ago and they got a few more added and blah blah blah. But I'm very excited to be going there, having some chats with people who are playing the festival. I'll announce that as it comes closer. But um yeah. Buy tickets to the festival. If you live anywhere in the Midwest or the West Coast or the East Coast for that matter, go to LDB Fest because I, I've never attended personally and I'm really, really excited because uh, they've built something special. Ten years they've been doing this fest and it has reached what I would say a crescendo of excitement. This thing is going to go off in a really, really major way. So that is all the uh, the stuff that I wanted to let you know about. But um, yeah, let's, uh, let's talk to Tepe. And actually, last thing before we dive into the interview with Tepe, this episode is sponsored by Iodine Recordings. And their 30th anniversary reissue of one of my favorite records of all time, Quicksand's Slip. It is, it is a beautiful, beautiful piece of work. They have lovingly put a lot of effort into remastering the thing, repackaging it, and there's this unbelievable deluxe book. We're talking like a, gosh, I don't even remember how many pages it is, 64 pages? That sounds about right. 64 pages where there's liner notes extraordinaire, and I cannot wait to get my hands on this thing because it's nice and thick and, oh my gosh. But yes, Iden Recordings is an amazing record label. You need to check out so much cool stuff that they have going on. They reissued Stretch Armstrong's Rituals of Life. They have also done some really, really cool stuff around other bands that they released back in the day. There's a band called Orange Island that was really good, and some new up-and-coming bands, like a band called Her Heads on Fire, members of Garrison. They just have a lot of cool stuff, and I'm really excited because I love Iodine Recordings. So check out Iodine Recordings on the webs. You can follow them on Instagram, or you can find a link in the show notes where you can check out what they have going on especially the quicksand 30th anniversary reissue of Slip. Now, here's the discussion with Tepe. Go, hold on tight and don't let go. 
clearly thrice runs deep in my DNA. And uh, my interactions with you, I was trying to reflect on like when we first started to, you know, meet and hang out and play shows together and stuff like that. I, it, it was always interesting because uh, I mean, obviously all of the members of thrice are, you know, absolute weirdos in their own right. Um, <laughs> and you got you in particular, I, I found really interesting because you were always, and I'm sure this hasn't, or this has been echoed to you in many respects. Like you were the, you know, sort of quiet, introspective guy, <laughs> yes. the, the, the quiet guy in the group. Um, but then it, every discussion that you and I did have and every interaction we did have was always in my mind, uh, very deep, meaningful, and just like a, a, it was more than the surface level. It was like, you were always like, Ray, tell me about you. Like It, it was just that, very genuine curiosity. And I'm going to guess like, cause that, I, that you've been that way for as long as I've known you, has that always kind of been your gear, so to speak? Um, yeah, I suppose so. I mean, yeah, I've, I've always been the quiet kid. Like, yeah. In school, I feel like people were always like, Oh, I thought you were a jerk. Cause you just didn't talk to people. But, um, you know, I was just quiet. I, and do my own thing right <laughs> do you do you think that's a symptom of the because I, I correct me if i'm wrong you are an only child correct or no correct yeah right and i i know that you and i connected on that because we both are you know can keep each other occupied as only children do you think that's a symptom of the i guess only childness or is that something else um i i'm sure that that adds to it you know um I don't know. I mean, I think I think I'm an introvert just by nature. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely was an only child and uh, spent a lot of time just on my own, um, not needing to talk to anybody. Sure, sure. Um, so yeah, I'm sure that plays into it. You know? Yeah. I'm like, I, th- I think it, for me, I'm okay with silence, which I think most people aren't. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like. I get there's awkward silence, but for me, it's usually not that awkward. I'm like, okay with it for some reason. Right. You're like, oh, finally, there's a moment. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I think that there, I do, I mean, granted, you and I are coloring from the experience of being an only child, but there is a beauty in that idea of being able to occupy yourself within whatever context you're in, whether it's, you know, as an adult or as a kid where you're creating these whole different worlds, or I always joke around my example of an only weird, only child experience is like playing Monopoly by yourself and playing against other fictional characters. Cause that's what oh, I wow, did. Okay. Yeah. I, but to your point, but to your point of just that idea that like you are comfortable in yourself. So those awkward silences that other people may feel maybe just aren't there for you because you're just like, that's fine. Yeah. I, I think that's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I know, obviously, born and raised in Orange County. Where did you actually live from a city perspective? Was it always Irvine and that general vicinity? Mm, Well, I was actually born in San Luis Obispo. Okay. Uh, My parents were going to Cal Poly up there um, when I was born. And then I I spent a couple years in Santa Barbara. And then it was uh in LA so Torrance and Gardena um and then I th- what was it fourth grade was when I moved to Irvine okay yeah and 
were your uh, w- were the moves that were happening because your parents were following jobs, and then that's what ultimately led them to Irvine? Honestly, I don't know. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I I think. Yeah, I think it was like kind of the safety thing and they they saw that it was a good place to raise a kid and um yeah. Yeah. And the, I I didn't know about the uh Santa Barbara uh experience as it were. I mean, granted I'm sure you were you were young like you were talking about. Uh do you have any uh, I, I guess memory pre uh, Irvine like living in LA and Santa Barbara? I definitely remember LA. Um Santa Barbara, not so much. I have like really vague, scattered memories. Um, yeah, I was I was little. I was probably like three or four. Sure. Was the was the move from LA to uh, Irvine? Did you feel that was disruptive? Because I know that moves when you're no matter how far they are, like even when you're moving schools, like oh, I'm away from my friends and that sort of stuff. Were you? okay with it or were you bummed because you had to leave your friend group in LA? Um, I don't remember caring all too much. Uh, yeah, for better or for worse. I, I, I think one of my traits is that I just kind of go along. <laughs> go with the flow. Sure. And, uh, I don't remember putting up a stink or anything. I just, yeah, I just remember moving. I remember it, it was a, kind of a culture shock though, because Irvine back then was really different. Um, it was, you know, not, it was probably like a, a tenth of how it's built out now, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was like, it was a bunch of uh, farms, really, like orange groves and small and farms. And so I remember coming from LA, I was like, what the heck? Where am I? <laughs> like, where do right. we <laughs> That's That's true. It, it almost was probably the feeling of, moving to, you know, a uh, rural area, even though Irvine, yes, it is rural at that time but like no one would ever look at it now and be like oh that was rural at one point yeah but it it really was i would say like on the cusp of being rural i would i would say back then yeah yeah and the uh i know your family structure like mom and dad in the house and like you we were talking about only child um were you um because i i presume that were both your parents working as you were going through elementary school yeah Mm mm-hmm were you kind of that, uh, I guess, latchkey kid? Like you were, you know, I mean, your parents were there taking care of you, but a lot of stuff you had kind of maybe had to figure out on your own. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. We, my wife and I talk about this all the time. Uh, cause she was kind of the same way. She was an only child, but you know, she, she kind of grew up similar in that sense. And, uh, just how, how different it is for our kids right now. Right. But, um, but yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, uh, I used to go to like an after school program when I was in elementary school, but I think uh, I want to say maybe from like sixth grade on, I was just kind of on my own. Like I would finish school, come home and just do my own thing. Like I remember cooking myself like food when I got home. Right. Like, uh, and I would just go romp around the neighborhood and yeah. Yeah. Right. You just like, all right, cool. I got my, uh, you know, Peter and jelly sandwich. I'm going to watch some TV. I'm going to go out and, you know, whatever, ride bikes and do that sort of stuff. And then, yeah, I'll come back for dinner. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. No cell phones. No, you know, like <laughs> right. you just be out there and your, your parents would trust that you would come home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're like, we, we know where you live. Like, we know that you know our address. Like, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, did you, as you started to 
you know, develop some sort of likes, dislikes, and identity. I mean, that definitely happens later elementary and, you know, junior high. Were you gravitating towards, you know, sports? Did you care about your studies? Like, what did you find yourself kind of looking towards? Hmm. I, I definitely didn't play sports. Um, fun fact, I actually played my first uh, organized sport anything last night. <gasps> Dude, that's, a- <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's incredible. At the age of 42, yeah. What'd you play? Uh, so Dustin, of all people, convinced me to join this like adult co-ed soccer league. <laughs> oh, nice. And uh, yeah, so um, we played a game last night and that was like my literally my first experience with that, which is wild. That is, yeah, that is insane if you, uh, yeah, like you're never playing Little League or anything like that. And yeah, that, that's amazing. Did you, I guess, did you enjoy it? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. No, it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm a soccer fan uh, and my, all my all three of my kids play. Uh, and so I'm around it a lot. So it was actually fun to be on the other side of it for once, you know? <laughs> yeah, you're like, I'm not just a observer. And uh, yeah, I can actually like kick the ball as opposed to encouraging my children to kick the ball. Well, at least try. I mean, so that's the <laughs> thing, right? Is like it, it looks a lot different. Like, you you know what's supposed to happen. Yep. As like a fan of the sport and have been, having been around it so much with my kids, like I understand what's supposed to happen and what you're supposed to do, but knowing what you're supposed to do and actually physically being able to do it is two very, very different things. <laughs> uh, I learned right. that very quickly. Yeah. Right. Like this is, uh, you know, it's like the idea of never playing a sport and then just playing it via video games. And you're just like, why can't you do a bicycle kick? Like, this yeah. is weird. <laughs> it, it was humbling. It was good. Right. That's good. And so, so you didn't do sports. Like, did you care about school? Were you getting, um, cause I mean, I know the stereotype obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. of uh-huh. Asian cultures, like, okay, here we go. You got to care about school. Um, my parents were kind of hippies in that sense. They, <laughs> um, my mom was actually a teacher, well, on and off, but yeah, she, you know, so she, she cared about education, but she, I grew up with her actually telling me like, grades that don't really matter uh you know as long as you're actually learning something and that you're finding things that you're curious and interested in then then that's what's important um so i think in that sense i was really lucky um but yeah so i i didn't really have a, a big focus on school uh didn't play sports honestly dude just playing <laughs> and like yeah hanging out with friends and um i think it was uh just before middle school so just before seventh grade that I, I discovered skateboarding. And as soon as I found that, I mean, that that was, I was 100% skateboarding 24-7. That's all I thought about. Right. I, lo- I love when that, and I'm sure even though your parents, like, I guess, how did they react to skateboarding as you started to get into it? Just because they probably, you know, whatever, knew about it from a pop culture perspective, but were they reticent in you kind of picking up a skateboard and rolling around or they're cool with it no they were totally cool with it that's um, cool yeah i think they probably probably were like hey Teppy found something to do you know <laughs> right <laughs> yeah this this kids is kind of just you know hanging around like oh it's now he's passionate about something yeah yeah the uh so i, I guess on that top like was that more so like junior highs when you really started to dive into that full-throated 
Yeah, if if I if I remember correctly, yeah, I think it was like the summer going into seventh grade is when I kind of found it and started going pretty hard with it. Got it. Was the hope also like I mean, once you started to experience it more, and you know, did you? Because correct me if I'm wrong, but like you, you actually like you know competed in competitions and like you were kind of maybe trying to go for it from a pro perspective, or am I like misreading that completely? Um. No, no, I didn't. I didn't do any competitions or anything. Okay. Like that. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I was. I was very serious about it. Um, I mean, if you asked me back then if I was going to go pro, I would have probably told you I'm going to try. Sure. Um, but you know, I mean, the reality of that, I kind of hit pretty quickly. <laughs> but, but I mean, I was very serious about it. You know, that that's like I said, that's seriously all I cared about or thought about or did for a long time. So. Right. I presume you were diving deep into, uh, you know, the, the video magazines and, uh, skate magazines and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Former ones, uh, Transworld, Thrasher, like I, I had them all. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I think too, I mean, just cause you and I are the same age, like I, I never was uh, good at skateboarding, but I worship the culture. And I think that was so, uh, such a portal into not only a community, but just an understanding all of the, uh, you know, aesthetics and fashion and style. Like there was so much wrapped up into it, even though you were just like, Oh, I just like skateboarding. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ed and I talked cause you know, Ed, Ed was an avid skateboarder as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we talk about it a lot, like how, how much that culture influenced us and especially even our music tastes. Um, you know, I think, uh, I could probably credit skateboarding for, for my discovery of punk rock. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it, you know, it definitely shaped and molded uh, my tastes and my, my culture and my life a lot. Wait, you mean to tell me you like band merch and you like supporting bands? Well, look no further than our awesome friends at rockabilia.com and use this code 100 words or less for 10% off your entire order. I don't care if you're into Metallica, Blink, or ACDC, Grateful Dead, Motley Crue. They have everything you could shake a stick at. And it's all officially licensed. The band gets paid. It ships from the Midwest here in the United States of America. And they get it out to you lickety-split. Customer service is top-notch. This thing, this business, has been operating for over 20 years. So they know exactly what they're doing. And is co-owned by a hardcore kid. So I co-sign it all over the place. But go to rockabilly.com. Buy some stuff for your friends, your family, yourself. So much cool stuff. And use the code 100 words or less, 10% off your order, and enjoy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different things that stress us out, right? Like maybe it's something really, really small, like, man, that parking space, it's always taken. And I wish that I would be able to like get it instead of, you know, this person that maybe, you know, is the most courteous and considerate. I know that's something very random, but it's true. We all experience different things throughout the day that trigger us in so many different ways. And there are many times where I have been like, I wish that I had a a spot or a repository for me to, you know, get this stuff off of my chest. Because if you bottle it up, that is no bueno. And then all of a sudden you explode on a coworker or a friend or a family member being like the parking spot. And people are like, what are you talking about? That is where therapy comes in. And I love working with BetterHelp because I'm a huge advocate for therapy, broadly speaking. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, please give BetterHelp a try. It is so easy because it's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
All you do is fill out a brief questionnaire and then you get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you are not vibing with the therapist for any reason, you can switch it out at no additional charge. Get things off of your chest with BetterHelp. So visit betterhelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash Ray. As you started to you know, go into high school and apologies for playing a little armchair psychologist here, but, um, you definitely always struck me as like a, a head in the cloud sort of person. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but just in a like, Oh yeah, Tepe is just thinking about his own thing. Um, was, was that kind of true? Did like people, uh, say that about you or is that again, just a misrepresentation that I was <laughs> placing on you? No, I think, I think that's fair. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I was just always kind of the quiet kid, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> right. You weren't, you weren't going into the, uh, the, the party per se. I mean, first of all, you were probably not going to many parties. And then second of all, not being that guy that's like, oh, here's, here's Tepe. He's going to be the, you know, loud, loud party dude with the uh, lampshade in his head or whatever. Yeah. I'd say the exact opposite of that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Sneaking in the back, saying hi. Leave it, leave it with, without saying goodbye. <laughs> I think I think my ammo was always to just be noticed as least as possible. Right. Um, and w- when you started to experience the you know skate community and going to skate parks and stuff like that, uh, did you feel, I, I guess, like welcome and find your crew, uh, or was that also kind of a solitary practice that you were excited to participate in? No, I definitely had my crew. Um, I can't recall exactly how but you know i mean skateboarding especially at that time was was really small Um, Mm -hmm. it was definitely like a you know kind of a counter-cultural thing i guess but like you know it especially in irvine if you skateboarded you you knew that person whether they went to your school or not um and so yeah it was definitely like a small and kind of tight community and uh i definitely found my people within skateboarding um yeah, and it was different than like there weren't really skate parks or anything like that. So you know, you would just, I guess you would just see other kids skating, and you'd be like, "Hey, you skate too? Oh, cool!" You know, and then that would just be a thing. So, right, yeah, it's like, oh, let's, you, you know, where a good spot is. Like, oh, here's a great parking lot. Yeah, exactly. Right, right, and, and like you said, the introduction of skateboarding and opening your world up uh, helped music, and I know so many people found uh, the subculture even more through, you know, Thrasher and music videos and all that sort of stuff. What were, I guess, your, the, the bands that started to capture you at the very beginning where it was like, oh, this, this sounds weird and different. And I, I never heard this on the radio. What, uh, what kind of grabbed you? Um, I don't know. It, I guess it'd just be like, I'm trying to think of what skate videos I was watching at that time. Sure. Yeah. So you're like, was it welcome to hell or was it? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. It was definitely before that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like early plan B videos. So like, let's see, er, super early green day. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, green day was like one of my favorite bands back in that time. Uh, Beastie boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pennywise. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, literally anything that was in the skate videos, that's what I wanted to listen to. Right. And how did, how did you start to, I guess, discover that, like, you could, you know, like, buy that music and, you know, finding out more about how you can 
dive deeper into that side of things. Sure, yeah. I mean, I guess it was just kind of in the culture. So, like, oh, I'm trying to, like, dig up memories that I haven't really thought about. Um, totally. And I ha- honestly, dude, I have the worst memory possible. I know I know you do, so it's okay. I, I, know, <laughs> I know you were like, oh, wait, you're asking me to remember, like, last week, let alone 20, 30 years ago? Um, but, yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I think it was just – you start to get to listen to punk and then you realize, Oh, there's, there's shows that I can go to. And it's like an accessible thing, um, you know, locally. So I just, I remember we went to shows a lot. Uh, think, what was it? No effects. And I think it was DI. Oh, okay. Played at UCI. Uh, I don't think it was the Bren center. Okay. Somewhere else, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, it would it would seem pretty weird if that was like in the basketball stadium. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it definitely wasn't. But it was it was like kind of a bigger show because No Effects was really big back then. I guess it's mm-hmm. similar, probably right. Um, but anyway, so that that was like my first show I went to, and uh, I went with some of my friends that skated. Amazing. Yeah. Were uh, as you started to kind of witness that subculture in full bloom, so to speak. What uh, was it? I guess the energy, was it like the musicianship? I mean, even though arguably, obviously punk is, you know, trying to not be a musician, <laughs> but yeah. Like what, what kind of drew you in? Um, I don't know. I, I guess, um, yeah, I guess it was kind of the energy, the, the, like, I don't know. It felt, it felt like not, mainstream you know what i mean like it felt a little different yep uh which i i guess i thought was cool um and yeah i I think maybe just the accessibility to it you know like i said there were shows happening all around me that i didn't know about and i was like oh wait this is a whole world that that exists that i didn't know that i can be a part of um and so yeah right yeah Yeah, you're like i I can plug in yeah i can plug in and i was already you know obviously like i was into music Mm -hmm. um and uh, at that point, I had already been playing guitar as well. So, you know, I felt a connection to the music. And I guess having having a scene or, you know, whatever that's happening so close and so accessible that um, you can just kind of plug into, I thought, I think just really drew me in. Sure. And uh, on that idea that you had a guitar already and you were seeing some of these bands that felt probably more attainable than what you had maybe witnessed in the past where it's like, Oh, I'm clearly never going to be in like U two or something like that. Right. Um, had you wanted to play in a band ever since you kind of picked up guitar or was that like a gradual realization where it's like, Oh, I can do this. Um, uh, probably the latter. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, so when I first started playing guitar, like I was super in like, so this was probably what, like fifth, sixth grade or something like that. Mm-hmm. I was super into to just like metal. <laughs> right. Um, so like Metallica, uh, I don't know. I would stay up late and watch like Headbangers Ball. So that was kind of my thing. Um, and I don't know where I'm going with this. No, it's okay. You were, you got into metal and then it started to like, I mean, watching a band like, you know, Metallica or watching Headbangers Ball, like all that stuff is so larger than life. You yes, probably yeah, felt. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. And then, and then you, you know, punk comes around and you're, it's like, I keep saying there's shows happening all around you that 
the people are like right there on stage. They don't seem like these giant, you know, otherworldly creatures. They're just these normal people. Um, and so, yeah, I think maybe just kind of seeing that makes you start being like, oh, maybe this is something I can do. Like if I wanted to start a band, I, you know, this is something I could do. Right. And I, I always, I really like that transition that people, you know, most kids go through where it feels close to you as opposed to, like you said, just this really far off thing. And then the moment that you see something that you're like, oh, I could probably do some version of that. That's when it's like, you know, all bets are off at that point. Yeah, totally. It's funny. I've, I've actually never really thought about it from this angle before. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what we do here. You know, we explore all sides of your brain, Tepe. <laughs> um, and so I know that essentially, and correct me if I'm wrong, because obviously the internet is usually wrong. I never knew about chapter 11. So that, 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 first of all, I can already close my eyes and picture what the band sounds like, like, yeah. which is amazing. Every first band name needs to have that. Um, but that was, that was you and Ed, right? No. So that well, that was you and Dustin, right? Well, yeah. Or, so chapter 11 was, I actually think it was, that was thrice. Okay. So that was, that was just one of the names we were tossing around when we were thinking about starting the band. Okay. Um, but I think what you're referring to is Dustin and I had a band for like a hot second, uh, before thrice with two of our other friends called, uh, out of step. Oh, beautiful. I hear, I, I already hear that in my brain too. Well, no, it didn't sound like minor threat. I wish. Right. It did. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I think, I don't think we, well, maybe we did. I think maybe we have like one, one or two, maybe originals, maybe. Okay. Uh, I don't even know if we did. We played <laughs> one show, which was in a parking lot of like a coffee bar or something like that. Somewhere in Irvine. Amazing. Uh, and we did like a Blink-182 cover. <laughs> as, as you do. And uh, I don't even know what we played, honestly. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love... I, I, Dustin didn't sing. Dustin was not singing. <laughs> that's incredible. sang like one song. Sure. Play- I think he was playing bass as well. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that being your first uh, foray into playing a show, was that, especially as an introvert, there's that idea that it's terrifying for even extroverts to go up on stage. So like, were you, uh, were you nervous? Was it exciting? Was it a combination of both? I'm guessing. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah. Do you, and I guess on that same topic, like how do you, I mean, you clearly have been going on stage and playing in front of a lot of people for a decent amount of time. Is there any nerves about you anymore? Or do you feel like it kind of, goes into a different zone for you no not really it hasn't been for a long time i think um i don't know that's just one of the like great paradoxes of my life like if you told me to go up in front of like 20 people and make a speech i would be terrified but somehow (laughs) i can do that i don't know i have no idea why right i mean honestly just as a outside observer of watching you play an innumerable amount of shows over the time that I've watched you. It, it, it seems like, especially because arguably, like all of you guys are are introverts. Yeah, <laughs> there. Honestly, I think that's fair to say. Right, but it's like you guys, you guys are able to do that as a collective unit because you all know that there's that like level of uncomfortableness, and then you're all just kind of like 
doing your own thing, but then you can kind of come all together. So I don't know, again, just me as an outside yeah. observer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so a- as you started to, you know, get into this even probably weirder subculture, how were your parents kind of reacting to it? Or were they again, just kind of excited that you were finding something you were passionate about and playing guitar and, you know, going to shows and stuff. Um, my dad was kind of more of the music fan, I would say. And, uh, he's the one that, you know, had a guitar in the house and that's why I started playing guitar. Um, but he definitely was like, what the heck is this crap you're listening to? <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, yeah, he was like, this sucks. <laughs> but I mean, you know, to their credit, like they they let me do my own thing. Like he would give me his opinion and be like, this is horrible. But whatever, if it's your thing, that's cool. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's, it's terrible, Tepe, but it's your thing. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Right. Did you ever, I'm... I know some kids experience this where they felt like they were able to either show a band or show something to their parents to try to help them understand it. Did you ever try to do not even like a presentation or anything, but be like, Oh, okay, maybe I can show them like this really, you know, they'll get you no use for a name or something like that. Did you ever try anything like that? I don't think so. I, um, I think if anything, it was the other way around. Um, I guess this was like pre-punk, but I do remember like when I started getting into metal, like Metallica, my dad was like, oh, you like this? Well, here's Led Zeppelin, (laughs) you know? Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, like here's Led Zeppelin 1. Like this was maybe the very beginning of heavy metal. Like you might like this. And I was like, nah, it's not heavy enough. Um, There's no chugging, you know? Right, um, totally. No, I don't know. I mean, I think, I'm trying to think. I think he he was all right with Green Day. Cause that, you know, like those are great songs. I think absolutely undeniably great songs. So yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's, I, I, the reason I bring that up is cause it just triggered a memory. I remember showing my mom Elliot cause oh, I was yeah, like, okay. yeah. I was like, dude, she's going to get this. And she listens to it and she's just like, I don't like it. <laughs> I'm like, well, fair. I, 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 I yeah, I, I understand this is still kind of weird music, even though it's like beautiful and super melodic. Right. Yeah. So uh, was there, I guess, like a career path for you in regards to like, you know, were you going to pursue, you know, being a teacher like your mother or, you know, what your father's career was? Was there any, you know, kind of pointing you in that direction or was it very much open for whatever you wanted to do? Um, No, it was definitely open and I had absolutely no idea. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I graduated from high school, didn't really have like any plan for college or aspirations, to be honest. Um, I was just going to OCC, the community college here. Yep. And, um, you know, I mean, I vaguely like, I liked art and I liked music. And so I was, I was kind of taking some art classes and some music classes and not having a clear idea of what I wanted to do with either, if any. Um, so, yeah. I remember. That's right. I forgot you did. Uh, you did that like recording class at OCC, right? Yes, I did. You did. That's dude. That's where I met Nick. That it. That's totally. I. I that just triggered a memory because I remember yeah. going in and being like, "Oh, it's like Tepe. Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. So I imagine that was like the the type of classes that you were doing, where it's like, okay, like music production, music industry adjacent. I could probably do something like this. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, the class that. Nick and I had had together, I think was like, 
I think I think it was called live sound reinforcement or something like that. <laughs> but it was actually recording. Uh-huh. Wait, didn't didn't you guys come in and do a recording? I, I now that you say that, I was like, I'm fairly certain Nick volunteered us, and I'm yeah. fairly, I, I, but I cannot recall what we actually did or like if it. I mean, it was to tape undoubtedly because that's what you guys were or that's what we were recording on at that time but probably i, I so funny and taken came in yeah but you know yeah. i i missed that class i wasn't i wasn't there for some reason <laughs> so funny like the one class you would have maybe enjoyed you're like oh yeah. okay i'm missing that one <laughs> um so okay that, that was the kind of the, the the maybe path that you were looking to go on but not not a real clear idea of where you wanted to head no idea yeah yeah and so, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, hit the the thrice biography beat by beat because that's been done many other places. But, you know, as you guys obviously started to play shows, something that I always not only respected, but found very interesting was that you guys were, um, you know, you were clearly playing shows and playing with all different types of bands and bands that, you know, you arguably shouldn't have been playing with because people were just being straight up mean to you guys and be like, who's crappy pop punk band or whatever. Um <laughs> It seemed like that was your, whether it was spoken about between all of you guys or whether it was just kind of by default, you just were like, well, we're not necessarily part of any one scene. We're just kind of playing amidst all of them. Um, Do you think that was just kind of the function of what music you guys were writing? Or was that just basically because that was what was available? I'd say both. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we we joke about it all all the time, but like we we never fit in anywhere. Right. You know, especially back then, like, yeah, like you were saying, we were too heavy for the pop punk shows and we were way too melodic for the hardcore shows, but there wasn't really much between in between. And so we would play either or, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it felt because of that too, like once there was an attraction to your guys's music, as you started to, you know, sign to hopeless. And I mean, I'll, I'll, there's just so many random moments that I remember about the earlier days. Like I remember the, you know, Virgin mega store at triangle square, like just, it's like, Oh, there's like 800 people that showed up. It was like, what the hell? This is crazy. Like, but because of that, I think it brought more people in because you guys didn't, you know, adhere to being like, Oh yes, we are just playing to, you know, the pop punk scene or the hardcore scene specifically. Yeah. I mean, I, I think and I mean, we didn't really have any foresight about it. We were just doing what we could, taking whatever shows we can take, you know. Um, but I mean, I think, yeah, in, in the end, I think that was, it benefited us a lot. Um, and I kind of like the fact that we never really like adhered to one scene or anything, you know, we just were kind of just floating through all of it. Listen, I got a secret for you. Go to evilgreed.net and use this promo code 100 words. You're probably asking yourself, what is evil greed? They are an amazing web store solution company based out of Berlin, Germany. But maybe that sounds a little complicated. What do they do? They sell merch from some of your favorite bands. And when I say some of your favorite bands, I'm talking about labels like Triple B, Southern Lord, Sergeant House. They have so much cool stuff. Like right now, I'll just give you a random example. They have a limited edition LP, Evil Greed exclusive pressing of the new Frozen Soul record called Glacial Domination, which if you are not keyed into Frozen Soul, one of the awesomest, awesomest, that's probably a word, right? Awesomest bands from the metal scene based out of Texas, but 
use that promo code 100 words even though they are based in germany their shipping is very reasonable and it gets to you very fast so evil greed acts kind of like a record label where they collect a very select handful of bands and record labels to work with and then they ship it to you directly it's so so cool i love evil greed and use the promo code 100 words and find some amazing stuff for you and your friends Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If if you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. For you as the band, it doesn't even have to be like when the band was, um, you know, playing House of Blues and selling it out or something like that. Uh, when did you kind of start to feel that there was either attention or momentum or something that was like, oh, wow, like, I guess what we are doing is resonating with people? Mm, I don't know. I mean, I've I've said this before, but like, especially with this band, I feel like there was so many different little steps that happened that I was like, Oh wow. Like I feel like we made it now, you know, like, of course, even even so much as like when we played our first show at chain reaction, like I was like, Holy smokes, we did it. (laughs) Right. We're done. Yeah. (laughs) We could have been done there and I would have been like, we did it. (laughs) Um, And so there, there were so many small moments like that, that it's hard to pin down. But I mean, um, and honestly, those it, to me, those are the, like that's I guess kind of specifically what I'm talking about. Like usually in those like earlier year, it doesn't even have to be like the you know the dawn of the band, but just like those moments where okay, a friend is like singing along to our songs, or like you know I go out to like the local mall and someone's like, oh, what's up, Tepe? You're like, I don't know that person or whatever. It's like those moments are the ones that are just like weird. This is bigger than I thought it was ever going to be. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> a lot of micro moments like that, you know, I guess like honestly, like selling, you know, playing our first chain show, uh, I guess signing to hopeless subsidy, whatever, um, mm-hmm. going and, re- you know, recording our first album. Like when we first recorded identity crisis with Paul minor at for the record, I was like, Whoa, totally. <laughs> this is insane. Like we're in a real studio, you know what I mean? Uh, Yeah. Even before that, like we put out an EP after being together for like literally three months. And that was the first time I'd ever recorded music or heard what I've done like on in like a listen backable format, you know? Mm -hmm. And that was a huge deal. Uh, You know, selling out Anaheim House of Blues was a big deal. Uh, And then obviously like signing the island, you know, I mean, it's just like, yeah, it's like, there's so many, yeah, every little step, you know, every little thing along the way, it was like, wow, (laughs) that's really cool. Right. 
and it especially too because i i know that uh the word it, it's definitely very difficult to remove ego from the art that you create you know unless it's like very intentional where it's like i can't wrap up my identity in this because i know that this once i release art in the world like it's not mine anymore but like you guys have never obviously been about the uh you know you're the sum of its parts as opposed to like oh look at look at tepe the you know guitar shredder he's gonna be like steve Vai of the you know hardcore punk scene or whatever um i, I think probably because of that it made you I guess it was easier to maybe appreciate those moments because it was like, oh yeah, this isn't about me. This is about the band or whatever. Yeah. And I mean, and genuinely like we, we never meant for this to go as far. Right. (laughs) Um, You know, obviously, obviously like you, you hope and it's like, you can dream about it, but we didn't expect anything, I think. Um, And so every, like I said, every little like, mini victory along the way was like we really appreciated you know yeah absolutely and something i also found interesting about you just kind of collectively is the fact that your your creative output within thrice has always been contained to that like you know i mean clearly every every one of your band members has done some sort of side project uh, from a musical perspective. I mean, obviously there's been other projects that you've been a part of, but you know, you haven't uh, done that per se. Is there, is there any, I guess, reason in your head that you've never sort of stepped out and expressed that? I mean, I know you've done smaller projects and what have you, but um, has that been something you've reflected on? Um, yeah. I mean, I'd, I've done like one, small thing with a buddy that like is our buddy, you know, Chris, right? Chris Jones. Yeah. 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 So he was our guitar tech for a few years and uh, we just wrote some songs in the back of the tour bus, one tour. And they were all just, you know, just kind of fun, like super lighthearted songs that we came home and recorded, but that's really the only thing I've done. I think. Um, Yeah. I think for me, I've always had so many other interests too. And, you know, playing in a band and doing music is my entire life and it takes up all my time. So in my spare time, I think I, I just, I like to do other things, I guess. Um, Right. It's like, I'm already expressing myself this way. Like, you know, why, why do I need to continue like to do that when I can do, like you said, all these other things? Yeah. And I mean, not necessarily like why, why would, I mean, I think it would be fun. You know, I think it'd be fun to do some other music and, uh, you know, express musically like in different ways, but, um, I don't know. I, I guess actions speak louder than words. Like (laughs) my, uh, my, my priorities, I guess, or, you know, what I want to actually do in my other time is, is other stuff. I don't know. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm sure it was uh, like kind of going back to you know your passion for skating. I know you uh, worked at a uh, active ride board shop, and I know that you are uh, you know a part of uh, that whole community just because it was you know a, a movement. I would say within Southern California, you know, skate retail, it was quite a thing. Uh, was that uh, was that fun? Where you were able to you know obviously get people that I'm sure walked in the shop and were like. Oh, Tepe, like I saw you guys just, you know, recently, like, was that a, uh, a fun interaction or did you start to get kind of like, okay guys, like, you know, this is, this is kind of weird. Like I'm just working here. 
No, we never really. I mean, by the time we were actually like pretty active and touring and stuff, I wasn't working there anymore. Right. Um. So yeah, I, I don't think I ever really got that. That's cool. That's good. The um, something I know that I mean, you've articulated in other uh, places in regards to the shift away. I mean, once you moved up to Washington and obviously started your uh, you know leatherworks business and the idea of stepping away from something that you had been a part of for so long. And then also the idea of like starting a business while also, you know, existing as a father figure and, uh, and husband, did you, um, you know, I, I guess like, did it get not dark per se, but did it get <laughs> overwhelming where you're just like, Holy crap, this is too much change in a short period of time. Or does it go back to kind of your nature of a person was like, well, I'm just going to kind of go with the flow and see what comes of this. Yeah, I mean, I think a little of both. I mean, it it's impossible not to be scared. I think, um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it, it like you said, you know, we've been doing the music thing and and playing in a band for our entire adult lives at that point, and I had nothing else. <laughs> and sure, I had, and I had a family to raise, and you know, whatever. So, and I wasn't sure what I was going to do. So, yeah, I mean, in that in that light, it was it was definitely scary, but I think my sort of like go with the flowness helped me get through that without panicking too much at all. Right. You're like, I will be able to figure this out in one way or another. Uh, even if it comes to me, you know, playing my guitar on the street and like busking or whatever, I'll yeah, figure yeah, it out. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's the thing is like, I knew I could always turn to music, right? Like I could, um, like the, the other kind of main thing that I thought I could maybe fall back on was was recording um because I'd recorded a, a couple of thrice's records at that point and uh had been asked mm-hmm. you know by bands and stuff in the past to to produce or record records and stuff and um so that was always kind of in the back of my mind like I can always kind of try and fall back on that and see if I can pursue that uh you know touring was always an option like trying to just find like a touring gig or like uh even teching um, sure. So I, I felt like I had kind of a plan B with, with that. Um, but at the same time, again, like I've, I've had a lot of different interests in my life and, you know, I've only had the chance to focus on one thing. And so I took that hiatus as a chance to try something different for once. Um, which is what I did. Yeah, totally. It's like, yeah, flipping the page and being like, oh, cool. Like, you know, as cheesy or hyperbolic as it sounds it's like the future is unwritten like i can do something different yeah totally yeah Um, yeah the something that i've always found interesting about you as a guitar player is that it's a real thin line of people you know sort of like slobbering over your pedals and your gear and your technicality because i mean you know frankly people do do that for you and look up to you as a guitar player but you've never you know, I guess put yourself out there to the point where it's just like, all right, like I am that authority, you know? And, uh, was that kind of always like the, the equipment and the experimentation and the stuff that you were bringing towards the band, was that always just something that you were, you know, looking for a way to express yourself? Uh, or was it a matter of just like, I, I want to stay away from like that side of things without obviously disrespecting them, but that's just not something I'm interested in what like just like the gear yeah like gear or like 
totally just like the about this or that right like you know the the because it does seem to me that you have balanced the idea that like, oh, I'm this, you know, virtuosic guitar player and I'm just like a guy in a band. Like there's that middle ground, I think, that you've been able to carve out where it's like, oh, yeah, like I'm proud of my work, but I'm not, you know, like, I guess up my own butt, so to speak, with that. I mean, I I just don't think I am. <laughs> I, yeah, sure. I truly Truly. And I, I know people might like roll their eyes at me when I say this, but like, I, sure. I, I, I think I do what I do for my own band. Like, well, I, I'm, you know, that's cool. But as far as like a guitar player, I don't think I'm, I'm not that great of a guitar player, like technically not great. Uh, you know, there's like a million kids on Instagram nowadays that they're, far more talented and technically uh capable than i am um millions right and so and and i've 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 never felt like i sh- could or sh- should be the authority on anything really i don't know <laughs> was and I, i'm sure i'm actually reflecting on the idea like you know i mean once you guys you know signed to island and went through like the you know media training and pr and stuff like that just the idea that you had to speak about yourself or, I mean, just like we're doing right now, I mean, clearly we're friends, so this isn't like a, you know, huge press hit or whatever, but just that idea of like going through these things and being comfortable talking about yourself, was that a difficult like transition to be like, Oh, I guess I have to do a little bit of this in order to, you know, play the game. Or were you like, I'm just terrible at it. I don't really need to do that much. Um, both. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. I mean, yeah, I. It, it still is a struggle, honestly. I, I, I don't like talking about myself. <laughs> I don't like talking in general, to be honest. Um, and uh, yeah, but you know, I have accepted it as like you know, this is part of the job, like it or not. And um, yeah, just try to make the best of it, I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> you're like listen i guess people are interested in me so like i guess i'll have these conversations we'll see where they go but yeah like you'll i'm sure you had the experience too where you like were turning back the interview like you were asking the interviewer questions and it's like this isn't about me this is about you tepe just hold on for a moment (laughs) no we've we've never been uh great with press or anything i mean we've literally had publications turn down stories on us because we were too quote-unquote boring i mean like it's a real thing. <laughs> totally. Yeah, that's, yeah. And that that's what I find so, uh, you know, awesome about band. I mean, honestly, like a band like Jimmy Eat World, same thing, where it's just like, <laughs> there's like, hey, let's find drama or some interesting story. It's just like, eh, we're just, we're just friends and we play music together. It's like, yeah. that's it. There's no angle. Yeah, that's pretty, I mean, same. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. You're just like, yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about, you know, skateboarding, I can talk to you about that for an hour, but you know, about myself, like, no, come on, man. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, so, I mean, you as a, as a father, I mean, you're a father to, uh, three, uh, three, correct? Or four boys. Oh, no, gosh. Three. Three. That's what, okay. I just added one in there for no reason. Yeah, that, that scared me. <clears throat> I know. I, I apologize. I didn't mean <laughs> to freak you out there. Uh, journeying along in regards to, uh, you know, the fact that you had to, in some way, shape, or form, rebel against your parents as far as like figuring out how to, you know, be your own person with your own likes and interests and stuff like that. And it probably didn't make sense to them. Uh, you know, how do you kind of 
deal with uh, rebellion and the things that they're getting into that you're just like, wow, I I don't understand a lot of this, Uh, you know, whether it's watching, you know, Minecraft videos for hours or whatever the case may be. How are you, I guess, kind of navigating that, knowing that you're still obviously in the middle of it? Yeah, that no, that's a great question. Um, I think, you know, I, f- I actually feel pretty blessed to have had my parents deal with my stuff the way they did with just kind of like the, like, oh, that's weird. I think that's lame or that's cool or whatever. But, you know, y- that's your thing and you do it. You do your thing. You know, as long as I'm obviously like I wasn't doing anything to like harm other people or anything like that. So, you know, I think it would have been a different thing had that been the case. But um, so I think I I try and approach it from that same kind of angle, you know, Um, where I'll be like, I'll be honest with them about what my opinion is. But at the in the end of the day, it's like, you know, you're your own person and and you do your thing. And if if that's what what you want to do, then, you know, cool. Right. (laughs) Right. It's like, I mean, like a prime example of that is, yep. uh, I came home with my ears pierced one day and my mom literally fell on the floor laughing, like just <laughs> roll dying, <laughs> laughing at me. Cause she thought it was the silliest thing ever. Sure. But she was like, you look like a moron, but you know what, whatever. <laughs> like if that's what you're doing, then sure. Right. Did you, how, how'd they deal with your uh, tattoos as you started to get those? I think same thing, you know? I mean, I was a little <laughs> older too at that time. but yeah, Right, it was, yeah. It was like, huh, that's weird, but okay. Right. Sure, are you sure you thought about that? All right. <laughs> <laughs> totally. It's like, oh, oh, you're going to get your whole arm? Is that what you're doing, Tepe? <laughs> no. I think pretty much, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I love that where it's like the idea of parents roasting their kids on, and then I'm sure you were just like, whatever, you don't know anything, mom. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I was like, whatever, mom, I look cool. Yeah. You, have you not looked at me? Like, this is really cool. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, the last thing I want to hit on was the, um, the idea that, I mean, since Thrice is obviously, you know, very much back in your life, but you guys are doing it in a much more manageable way. And there's obviously a path forward for bands to be able to do that kind of in general. Um, I, I, I know that it's obviously refreshing for you guys to be able to, you know, whatever, go for two, three weeks and then, you know, come home and be able to exist as a whole human, as opposed to just kind of a part of a human. Uh, I'm going to guess like, as you were, ending your very extensive touring when the band was, you know, on the road for 250 days out of the year, did you feel like you were just like sort of half of a person, so to speak, or were you, um, kind of able to balance the two? Um, I think, I think we slowed down at the right time. Uh, you know, we were definitely touring like that for a number of years, but, it was also when we were younger and I think it was when we could, we had the like, uh, mental and physical, I guess, uh, capacity and energy to handle that. Um, you know, I, I certainly don't at this point. Um, yeah. And then obviously, you know, once we started having kids and all that, uh, it, it just naturally kind of slowed, started ramping down. And then, uh, especially after taking the hiatus, we were able to take, a couple steps back and you know when we came back into it we were able to be like okay we're gonna limit the touring uh you know we're gonna 
do, you know, A, B, C, and D to try and, you know, be able to live normal lives outside of the band and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. Did you feel like that also helped the creative input in regards to the fact that you could all bring either whether it was the fact that you had time to be able to sit at home and write riffs or, you know, drum patterns or whatever it is. Do you feel like that was also helpful as well? Yeah, I think so. I think it's important to have space from, from anything really. Um, you know, it just gives you the mental capacity to just, uh, to create, I think, you know, you need some space to be able to do that. There you have it. That was Tepe. And like I said, one step closer to collecting the entire band of Thrice on the podcast. Next week, I will actually be in Japan, but this podcast does not stop publishing, baby. So I have an exciting episode planned with the organizers of LDB Fest in Louisville, Kentucky, Talk about a stacked lineup. They got Knocked Loose, Terra, Terra, Terror, Karma. I could go on, but you can easily find a link in the show notes of this particular episode and you will be able to find it. I have a discussion with four people. We have the originators of LDB Fest, Ryan and Alex, and then Colin and Julia, who started helping out the fest probably about two or so years ago. And we get a nice perspective of what it's like to run a music festival and what makes Louisville, Kentucky special. So that's what I got next week. A four-headed monster <laughs> for this particular episode. So it'll be a fun one because uh, I cannot wait to go out there and hang out in Louisville, eat some good vegan food, and watch some rad bands. So until then, please be safe, everybody. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.